Yule Tide on V891 The Roar. And welcome into Sports Takes with Jake here on the week of Christmas. Yes, we are still here on campus for the remaining, uh, for me, about, uh, I mean, for you, probably, what, an hour and a half? For me, I'm out here at 2 o'clock tomorrow. But as always, we are coming to you live from the Villanova University here on a chilly chilly night and it's uh the opposite of cold in here i am dying i feel like i'm in hell in here it is hot um before we get into villanova basketball we have breaking news get to on sports takes with jake and that is concerning the quarterback of the eagles jalen hurts a right shoulder sprain his throwing shoulder as we all know his status for the game on christmas eve against the cowboys is in doubt um Honestly, I don't think he's going to play. I don't think it makes any sense for him to play this game uh, at this point. Uh, Gardner Minshew, if Hurts is not available, would get the start. Um, I I don't know if you saw the hit downing that caused this, or supposedly may have caused this injury. Um, Hurts scrambled out to the right-hand side. Uh, Bears defensive end Travis Gibson put all 263 pounds of himself onto Hertz, drove his right shoulder into the frozen grass at Soldier Field against the Bears yesterday. Um, he did get up slow, which I did notice, but I thought he was all right, but obviously... Uh, I mean, he played through it. The he did, he did. Uh, to a, a touchdown drive and a two-point conversion. After that, he was 6 for 9, 102 yards. Um, with a long of 68 yards, which is that throw to A.J. Brown on the right-hand side. He also had six carries for nine yards and a score after the supposed injury. Um, I honestly think Hurts has run the ball way too much. 17 carries for 61 yards and three touchdowns, albeit, I mean, he does score three times, but, I mean, putting your franchise quarterback on the run 17 times and taking hits is not... Uh, conducive to a long career. We've seen that over and over again. In that game, big, and I think when the Eagles struggle on offense, Hurts running the football is a good way to to move the ball. I mean, I I agree, but I just you know we've just seen this time and time again with you know running quarterbacks. They just do not have a long career, Um, especially when you're (coughs) for the most part. um, part. I mean, I think they could probably shut them down the rest of the regular season. Minshew in Week 13 against the Jets last year, 28-25, 242 yards, two touchdowns, a passer rating of 133.7, led the Eagles to a 33-18 win in, in New Jersey to get them to 6-7 and seven before the bye week. Ultimately, Hurts came back after the bye, ran the table, and of course made the playoffs that year or last year. Um, obviously be a big loss for the Eagles. I mean, Hurts... 13-1 record this season, uh, leading the team to a 13-1 record. 67.3% completion percentage, 3,472 yards, 22 touchdowns to only five interceptions. He also has 747 rushing yards and 13 touchdowns. He's only one rushing touchdown shy 
of Cam Newton's record for rushing touchdowns by a quarterback, which he set back in 2011. Uh, I don't think there's any reason we, the Eagles can't no, win the game against the Cowboys. I, I think, I mean, obviously you're losing some running ability with Minshew, but yeah, totally. I mean, Minshew's a very proven quarterback in the league, in this league. Um, I just think the Cowboys I, have looked vulnerable too the last. Oh few yeah, games. I th- I, mean, I think you that. could I think you could start Minshew the rest of the way. I mean, the oh, Eagles God. are up three games yeah. for I the mean, one seed. Be, I don't know. It, that's like gonna be what almost a month though with no in-game reps. Yeah, I mean, if he's healthy, bring him back, yeah, obviously. But if he's like week eighteen, I'd bring him back. Last game of the year, just get some get some reps, get the W, because we're probably gonna have a bye. Realistic. Most likely, and then, and then that's like four weeks of game time. He won't have played a snap. Potentially. Yeah, I mean, I if you really had to, you could play Minshew the rest of the way. I agree, Nick. Though, if if you can bring him back, ultimately you'd like to bring him back. Yeah, but you want to be cautious too. But you want to be making sure he's healthy, and because obviously the playoffs are, the, excuse me, the most important thing here. Um, but yeah, very interesting news out of out of Philadelphia tonight. Um, so they, they just and that just broke about an hour ago or so. Yeah, I mean, it definitely changes the complexion of the Christmas Eve game here. Yeah. Because before it was going to be like the battle. Because uh, last, you know, last time the Eagles and Cowboys played, obviously Dak was hurt. Yeah. So we didn't get to see the true hurts Dak battle. Um, and so and a lot of Cowboys fans were like, you know, we if we didn't start Cooper Rush, we would have beat them. Blah blah blah. Yeah. So. W- Unfortunately, what would have been the game of the year, I think, at least in the NFC, kind of is now tainted a bit. But yeah. Maybe we'll see him in the playoffs. We'll see. Maybe maybe we'll play. I mean, we're, we're assuming he's not going to play, but who knows? He, may, he might play. Yeah. I mean, you never it, know. It didn't seem good, though, from what I was reading. Yeah. His chances. But. We'll see. I mean, the media likes to, you know, blow things out of True. proportion. So True. who knows? <laughs> yeah. We don't really know how severe it is until we get to – uh, Christmas Eve. Um, moving now to Villanova, um, the men's team picks up a big uh, 71-64 win over the um, St. Joe's Hawks. In the Holy War. Yes, uh, in the Holy War. Um, or we call it the Holy Beatdown. <laughs> uh, hasn't been much of a series the last uh about eleven, twelve years really. Um I mean, and, they're above five hundred though, right? And the guy that has the guy that started here is uh Chris Archie Diacono, fourteen points, uh made a big three late, made a couple free throws down the stretch and uh helped Villanova clinch the win. Now, what what are your what are your thoughts on the win? Yeah, I mean these are the type of games that earlier in the year would have been would have been trickier for us. So obviously, I think it's a good momentum builder. And yeah, we can't afford to drop games like this with Anton Van.
it that it's just a very uh, one-dimensional team with an All-American leading the way. And there's just, in some of these tougher games against ranked opponents, it just doesn't seem like there's much else going. Yeah, I mean, you, I just don't think you're going to be able to win. They're not going to be able to win any big games. I mean, Iowa State came in ranked 14th. Villanova ranked 25th. Um, and, you know, when you only basically have one player that can do anything. I mean, Olsen did have double digits in this game. Um, they did cut the lead to nine here with uh, 7.29 to go in the second quarter. Uh, but the Cyclones got a 16-6 run to go up 19 at the half. Um, and that pretty much sealed the deal the rest of the way. Um, Nova now comes home to face LaSalle on Wednesday at 11.30 a.m. Get up early. <laughs> yeah. There'll be two games at the Finn on Wednesday. You have the women playing early, and then you have the men hosting the Red Storm of St. John's in the Big East opener on Wednesday night. Um, the women are 3 0 in Big Five play. And if they beat LaSalle, who's 8 and 5 overall, they would clinch the Big Five title this year. I think they should do that. Um, so I think the the Wildcats win that. Um, as far as the um, the men's team, what are your thoughts there? St. John's in the opener. I guess it'll be a tough game. It's gonna be a tough game, but man, do they need to win that? Like just to get, like you said, get Big East play started well, and also, you know, they lose that, they're back to five hundred. And then you have the a shot again. They would have the number two ranked team in the land to contend with. Yeah. The 28th in Connecticut at their place. Yeah, I mean, that's that's a tough game. Probably a loss, I would Probably. say. At this point. So I think it's imperative that you beat St. John's. Cause if you, with that. Yeah. You know, but don't beat St. John's and you're, you're in a hole. And you get slopped by uh, UConn. <laughs> I mean, oof. I don't know who they have. After. Oh, I think they have... Uh, Marquette on New Year's Eve. That's here. I will not be here for that. Yeah, but right. <laughs> uh, that's gonna be a tough one as well. They they beat us twice last year. They have getting we had a much better team then. So. And they have getting stormed out of the uh, NCAA tournament last year. Marquette did by yeah. thirty to North Carolina. But uh, yeah, the, some reason Shaka Smart just has our number here. Big East play is not gonna be uh, even as easy as last year. It's, it's going to be very difficult. Grind, I mean, that's every year, but I think especially this year. Especially this year. Just because we don't, don't have the horses. Like Nova St. John's last year. I mean, how many would we have been favored by? Uh, not that much. I'd say probably like 10. I mean, are we even going to be favored against St. I don't know. It might be, might be a, I mean, a one, two game. point yeah, spread. Game. Maybe even a push them type of thing. Yeah. So. I think we'll be favored on a Wednesday, but maybe by three. Two or three, but it'll be a difficult game nonetheless. We'll take a quick break here. Come back. The goat? Question mark. Lionel Messi and Argentina on the other side. Make WXVU your home for Villanova sports. Listen for live play-by-play of Wildcats basketball and football home games. Count on V891 The Roar for coverage of Villanova sports that you won't find anywhere else. Hey everyone, this is Kaylee Brendel. I'm a singer-songwriter and a sophomore at Villanova. 
Listen to my conversation with WXVU about music and life on our podcast feed, available on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. I gotta stop And welcome back into Sports Takes with Jake. And uh, it's funny, today I was at work and I was talking to a colleague who uh, is a self-proclaimed, doesn't really know sports, but yet she does watch a little bit of soccer. And we literally talked for 15 minutes about this game. The best World Cup final ever. Unbelievable. I mean, I couldn't believe. that From the 80th minute on, it was... Yeah. Must watch TV at right. that point. Are we getting into it? Yeah, yeah. So, with regards to the game, <coughs> I don't, hopefully everyone here saw it because, like I said, many are calling it the best World Cup final in history. Um, it's crazy. <laughs> well, at least since 1986, when Argentina won it the last time with with Maradona. Some people are saying, but uh, obviously the first, I would say, 75 minutes, completely dominated by Argentina. They went up 2-0 in the first half. They came out still dominating the second half. France didn't look like they had any life. Jake and I were watching this game together. And it, it almost got boring after after the first half. Argentina was way up. For, like I said, France had no life. Um, the ball, like Mbappe hardly had any touches at that point. They had nothing going. Argentina was completely bossing the midfield. That, that Argentina midfield. I mean, they outnumbered France. Because Mbappe doesn't track back, but man, they put on a clinic in the first half, and France was so rattled that uh, you saw you even saw those changes right before half from from Didier Deschamps, the French manager, taking off France's all-time leading goal scorer Olivier Giroud in what the 40th minute? Yeah, it was early. Yeah, and then just to get back on track here, like I said, all Argentina in the first 75, and then all of a sudden. You have the Otamendi mistake, and I think it was the 80th minute. Uh, so France get a penalty, Mbappe converts the penalty, and then not even two minutes later, great Kingsley Coman tackle. They get the ball up to the attackers. Uh, I think it was Taram that hits Mbappe, and Mbappe hits a phenomenal volley. Uh, first time volley, makes it 2-2, and, and all of a sudden the game completely shifted. Uh, what, what did you think about the uh, the shift, Jake? It was crazy. I mean, I was literally sitting on the couch, like falling asleep in like the seventy fifth minute. I'm like, this game's boring, man. And uh, get to that penalty, ill advised challenge there, and you know, of course, Mbappe's going to convert that. That's not oh, even really Mbappe a question. Totally has a mistake in him too. I mean, he he could have just cleared that ball, and he got beat pace wise. Uh, so I wasn't surprised to see him make a mistake. Yeah. And then, uh, you know, obviously that that volley was, you know, one of the yeah. best goals I've seen in a oh, while. Yeah, great volley. Um, and then get the extra time, and then Messi converts in the 109th minute. You're thinking storybook ending. Yeah. Well, I mean, even before that, I mean, France completely shifted the game at 2-2. They looked like they were going to win the game, and they had that, that last breath chance. I think it was uh, Kula Muani had that shot like right at the end of the game that Emilio Martinez saved with his feet if you remember. Well, that was 123rd minute. That was later on. That was that late? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, basically like you said, France completely like I think they completely dominated the 80th minute till extra time. And then extra time started and it was kind of more even. 
Uh, like you said, Messi got the goal in the 110th minute. And then France, I thought, were on the front foot. Obviously, they get the uh, the penalty in extra time for Mbappe again. And then I thought that they they were going to see that game out. Um, and I, and I, I apologize to the listeners. The Kulamani chance, we think, was at the end of extra time that got saved by Emilio Martinez. Super hype for Argentina that he saves that, keeps it 3-3, and they go to kicks. Yeah, and then that, that uh, Mbappe second penalty was off of a handball. Right. Yeah, that was a gift to France at the time too, because it was one of those like, obviously the Argentinian defender clearly didn't mean to do that. I don't think he he wasn't trying to influence the play with his hand. It was just kind of the position he was in. That's kind of a natural place for your hand to be. Not saying it shouldn't have been a penalty. It should have been, but I don't think you can really fault him too much for that. That was. That was a gift for France. Um, yeah, and then they were, I thought Argentina was, was happy to get to, to penalties. And they just completely dominated penalty kicks. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, Hugo. I saw a stat today. Hugo Lloris has never saved a penalty shootout penalty kick for France. He saved penalties, like, during the game from fouls, of course. But in a penalty shootout, he's never made a save for France. And wow. he didn't in that penalty shootout. France even started, and, and Jake and I were talking about this during the game, there's a slight advantage for the team that goes first, um, statistically speaking. And France went first, and Mbappe scored. Then Messi, I mean, that, that penalty was, was ridiculous. Yeah, he just I was mean, toying with that goal. totally uh, staring down Hugo Lloris and then just slides it just barely past him. That was that was one of you the just he just uh, that's one of those moments you just know he knows he's the best. Yeah, exactly. And he just will. Exactly. And then uh, I think Coman got saved by Emilio Martinez. Uh, Argentina hit. Then Chuameni had that that penalty kick that wasn't even on target. That was tough. I I remember Jake and I were watching together, and I, I told him I'm like Chuameni is gonna miss this penalty. There were some shenanigans with Emilio Martinez before the penalty kick, the, the keeper for Argentina. He, like, threw the ball away from the penalty spot and, like, made Chuameni go get it. And he got carded for it, I think. And then I, when Chuameni stepped up, I'm like, he's a young kid. He just did – he looked nervous, and he shanked it. Yeah. And that was pretty much all she wrote. Argentina just didn't miss. And, uh, yeah, it never got to France's, what, fourth penalty taker? Or never gonna never get to their fifth penalty taker. Awesome stuff for for Argentina because I think pretty much everyone outside of France was rooting for Argentina. Yeah. I would say. Yeah. Um, that was the vibe in the stadium apparently, and I, I heard I, someone said that was there, some analyst that, uh, like the Argentinian fans outnumbered the French fans like ten to one. Wow. Like yeah. So I mean that helps, but like I said, everyone outside of France wanted wanted Messi to finally win yeah. his first World Cup because he's came so close so many times. Like in 2014, they just barely lost to Germany in an extra time in a wonder goal. And like everyone just thinks the best player of all time deserves a, a World Cup. And he earned it this tournament. I mean, yeah. goals in the round of 16, quarterfinals, semifinals, and two in the final. I mean, he. It, it's probably, probably one of, if not the best, 
World Cup performances, like across an entire tournament in the history of the, of the World Cup. Um, and he won the Golden Ball for best player, rightly so. Just a great moment for him. And and for all of Argentina, they haven't won since since 86. It's a long time. And, you know, France wins. Yeah, it would have been cool that they're forming a dynasty, but they won four years ago. You know, they'll be all right. I thought a stat that was interesting to me is they won, they've made the final in four of the last seven World Cups, and that's hard to do. Yeah. Yeah, they won in 98 and then 18. And they lost in the final in 06, this time. I think. Yeah, and I think they might have lost in 06. We'll have to fact check that. But, uh, yeah. No, I mean, they're not even – I mean, they're one of. But they're not even, the, in terms of population, the biggest country in Europe. And yet they have just put together such – so many good teams in all these, in all these major tournaments. And they're going to be totally fine. I mean, you saw the young talent. Like, well, I, I heard all this stuff about how – Didier Deschamps, the French manager, wanted to wanted to not start Olivier Giroud, which you know obviously that's a big story because he's the, the he's had a great he had a great tournament and he's the all time leading goal scorer for France, but he wanted to start Taram at the uh, at the front, this young guy, who's so big and has such great pace, um, but he didn't, and it kind of seemed like he regretted that when in the 40th minute things weren't going well for France, he subbed out Giroud, not even at halftime. I mean that was pretty telling, but but anyways, the the young talent for France is just ridiculous. I mean, Turam, you saw Turam, Kula Muani, Mbappe. They still got Dembele. The, the, all these guys are so young. Chuameni, Fofana, Kunde. I mean, they are they're loaded for years to come. No one should feel sorry for them, honestly. Um, yeah, I mean it. it it's devastating to miss a, a penalty in the World Cup final, obviously. So you feel for for Coman and and Chuamini, but I mean, they I think that the I think the result in the end was the right result. I think Argentina not just played better in the final overall overall, but I think they played better all tournament long. Um, I thought France was lucky to beat England. They got that early goal and. A lot of people thought that England outplayed France the rest of the game pretty much after that early goal. But, you know, just all tournament long, uh, I thought France, especially in the knockouts, they looked fine in the group stage, but in the knockouts, they weren't playing their best. Like, I know they beat Morocco, but, like, even in that game, they didn't look stellar. I mean, they, you know, it was Morocco. But Argentina – now – not to, to not to make Argentina sound like they're they, they were the perfect team or whatever. I mean, they let Netherlands back in the game. They they even let uh, Australia back in the game in, in a knockout game. They definitely aren't the best defensive World Cup team ever. That's for sure. But they always they for long stretches of most of their knockout games they look convincingly like the better team. Not sure you could have always said that about France. And speaking of uh, the kind of. Flag bearer for Argentina, Lionel Messi. Uh, he will not retire. He will continue to play for international soccer for Argentina. He said, I am not retiring from the national team. I want to continue playing as a champion. What are your yeah, thoughts I mean, on that? Yeah, I think, first of all, I think that was just a good move for him because I, I don't know how you feel about this, Jake. I'm interested in your thoughts. But I think if you win like such a major tournament for your country and then you tell your country, hey, I'm done now, 
it can kind of not taint the win, obviously, but it can kind of, you know, make it a, a little less celebratory. It's like, oh, wow, he won this for us, and now he's gone. But if you kind of tell people, oh, I'll be back, you know, we won this huge thing, and I'll be back, then it's kind of like, you know, it just puts people at ease, and I think people can enjoy the win more. Also, this was the only tournament, the only award that this man hadn't won in world football. I mean, he's won Champions Leagues, he won the last Copa America like this was what he needed and now that he's finally got it I mean he can totally de just de-stress and play till he's I don't know 37 38 having won everything just trying to you know add even more hardware to his uh to his trophy case I, I think it's I mean it makes sense to me I mean it, it, there's in some ways it's like man you could have went out on top but then in other ways it's like now you're playing with house money you know, all the stress is gone. You've won everything. Yeah, I I thought he was gonna retire. I mean, honestly, I, I think like the kind of play devil's advocate, like, there's nothing left to achieve. You know, he's right. won everything: Olympic gold medal, Copa America title, Champions League title, World Cup title. Well, I think it was it was super unlikely for him to retire from football. Period. No, I, I mean, he could have retired from international. I think. Well, no, I'm not saying from football entirely, but right. you know, from international at least. But I mean, I don't know. I mean, I don't. Soccer's he's 35 now. You know, like I guess how much longer does he really have? Like, I mean, he's not making the next World Cup, is he? I mean, he'd be 39 at that point. Yeah, uh, probably not. Who knows? I mean, we're talking about the best player ever. Yeah. But Ronaldo at 38 was struggling to get. He, I mean, he didn't start uh, for Portugal against Switzerland, and then. Uh, not against Morocco either. At, at, I believe he's 38, right? So if he's the blueprint, and Ronaldo takes really great care of himself, if, he, if he's the blueprint, then yeah, Messi would probably be done at that point. Um, I guess what major tournaments would he be playing upcoming? I mean, you have... There's a... Uh, for international, internationally speaking, Copa America 2024, I think. Um, and then, yeah, like we said, the 2026 World Cup, he'd probably be too old for at that point. And the Olympics are in 2024 Yeah. in Paris. So, I don't know if he would even be interested in that. Well, the Olympics for soccer is very much a youth-driven tournament. You're, I think you're only allowed three guys over 23 or something like that. Really? Yeah, it's, it's, a, it's all about youth. Why? Um... To be honest, I don't have a good answer for you. It's just how they want it set up. It, there's some Olympic rules. You can ha you can have a couple, like I said, you can have three designated players above above the cutoff age. Um, like when the, for example, when the Olympics were in Brazil, Neymar played even though you know he was older than than the average player. You know you can have you can have people play, but yeah, it's it's. Especially if he's won that, that's not going to be something on his purview. Why? Why wouldn't they have like everybody that like normally plays? I just doesn't make any sense to me. Yeah, no, it's it's a weird system. Um, Is it because they're already playing like club and they're playing like in these other tournaments? Yeah, yeah, it's it's it's, it's all I know is it's some weird Olympic rule. Uh, it's all. Huh. That's it's interesting. It's a setup for sure. But yeah, true. I mean, the Olympics just means so much less than soccer. Their tournament is the World Cup. Internationally speaking, yeah. Um, and stats in the World Cup for Messi, he uh, his 26th career match, most all time, 
He has most minutes played, 13 goals in his World Cup career. Um, his first goal came in 2006 against Serbia in the group stage. Uh, he scored four times in 2014. Um, and then, of course, in this tournament, he had uh, seven. Yeah, I mean, and he only had six in the first four tournaments. Yeah, and he had no knockout goals up to this tournament in World Cups, which was a lot of people uh, criticized him for that. But, yeah, this is, I mean, this is by far his best. It's the best tournament I think we've seen from an individual player potentially ever. Um, And certainly his best World Cup, for sure, like you just said. And he also had four assists as well. He also got, like you said, the golden ball. Um and of course, Mbappe gets the golden boot for most goals. For most goals. Yeah, I mean, anyone feeling sorry for Kylian Mbappe needs to check themselves. I mean, the man had a hat trick in a World Cup final. He won in 2018. He has. He's like, what? What is he all time in World Cup goals? Uh, amongst active players, I think he's already third. I mean, it's ridiculous. The man's 23 years old. I mean, he has a long career ahead of him. In terms of production, he could be one of the the best ever. Uh, and in terms of a, like hardware that he'll be able to put in his trophy case at the end of his career, like there may be no one that that has the stats and like I said, the trophies that he will at the end of his career. Now, there'll probably always be debate about whether or not you know he's one of the best ever. Um, obviously, he plays in a position that is super offensive you know you someone like a, a Messi or a Maradona is much more kind of leading play you know making big passes dropping back a little bit uh, to receive the ball from the midfield Mbappe is just kick me the ball I'm gonna dribble past people with my pace and just tear at the goal and score as much as I can and so I think they're a little bit different players in that way. Yeah. Um, interestingly, well, Kyle will get ahead here, but four years' time, 2026 World Cup will be here, along with Mexico and Canada, including some games here in Philly and in uh, New Jersey at MetLife. Uh, I saw I was watching SportsCenter last night, and they kind of were talking about it a little bit. And they said, you know, obviously Mbappe will be the best player in the world at that point. You would think, and uh, his, I guess you could say he'd be in his quote prime. Even yeah, though I don't know what this is now. Not his prime. Um, and then a guy made an interesting point saying, you know, could it be similar to Messi's Argentina with Neymar's Brazil, twenty twenty six, like a possible yeah. run by Brazil to win a World Cup before yeah, he I mean, retires. I saw Neymar hasn't even committed to to playing in another World Cup. I mean, he's thirty now. So yeah, he'll be he'll be Messi's age, and I don't know. He's I obviously I'm a big I have to, Jake knows this, and I'll, I'll tell the the audience this. I, I'm a huge Neymar fan. I think he's one of one of probably the most exciting player to watch. Um, just how special he is at dribbling past people, and uh, I've always been a big fan of his. Not a big fan of the rolling around, but but what American soccer fan is not in our uh, not in our culture certainly. 
I, I would love to see him get a World Cup. I was talking about this with one of my friends. He has had such a special career in terms of his individual play, but has very little to show for it. He has a Champions League win in 2015 with Messi at Barcelona. He's got a Copa America win uh, that I don't even think he was centrally centrally part of. He had an Olympic gold medal. He has an Olympics. Yeah, and that was big for him because obviously it was in his home country. But that's it. I mean, he... Uh, uh, he he never he hasn't won a, a Champions League yet in Paris like he sa- promised everyone he would. He doesn't have a Ballon d'Or, and he doesn't have a World Cup. And this team was by far the favorites picked to win uh, this this Brazil team. They were stacked from top to bottom, and they couldn't beat Croatia. So I don't know. I mean, it's super frustrating for him. I think he should come back for twenty twenty six. Um. Messi and Ronaldo will probably be out of the picture. I'm sure Brazil will have another great team. They have so many, so much young talent. I mean, yeah, I, I would love to see him win that. But Brazil, they got to figure out their their new manager. I, Chiche was not was not it. Uh, I mean, you with all that talent, you can't get past Croatia. Yeah, I mean, he's leaving, so yeah, he'll get somebody new in. But they're gonna have to figure that out first. Quickly, 2023 Women's World Cup quickly approaching next summer in Australia and New Zealand. Uh, U.S. favorites? Yeah, I mean, I hope so. They should be. I mean, they will be one of one of the favorites. But in recent years, these other women's national teams have caught up to the U.S. Uh, at, you know, maybe not fully, but, but they're making other nations' women's teams are making progress. And so I think that World Cup's going to be very interesting. I don't think we'll we'll dominate as much as we have in the past. Hopefully we will, but who knows. Interesting. We'll take a quick break and come back. A and, uh, little bit of hot stove talk, and then we will get into NFL. What a crazy weekend of games we had. So all that coming up here on Sports Takes with Jake. Uh, WXVU is proud to announce that we have been nominated for five different 2022-2023 IBS International Collegiate Broadcasting System Media Awards, including Best Overall Station, is because of listeners like you that this kind of recognition is was possible. The winners will be announced at the IBS conference in New York City in February. Full details at WXVU.org. V89.1 The Roar is proud to announce that we can now be heard on 89.1 all day, every day, for first time for the first time in Villanova's history. Listen to our programming anywhere in the main line on 89.1, 24 hours a day, seven days a week with our now full-time FM signal. So back to the uh, hot stove, and uh, Philly's making some moves. Um, of course, one of the big ones being acquiring... Tajon Walker from the Mets, four years, $72 million uh, to be a fourth starter on this team, a piece they're missing dearly last last year, especially in the playoffs. You think he'll be the fourth? Yeah, he'll be behind Suarez. Okay. 30-year-old um, right-hander, uh, pitched 159 innings in 2021. 157 and a third last season. Um, he will 
like I said, being that fourth spot behind Suarez and ahead of guys like Falter, Sanchez, Painter, or McGarry in the fifth spot. He was picked 43rd overall by the Mariners in 2010 draft. He uh, actually had Tommy John surgery in 2018. 58 starts for the Mets in the last two seasons. 3.98 earn run average. 1.19 walks, hits per inning pitched. Um, of course, very familiar with the Phillies having pitched against him for the last two seasons. Um, pitching coach Caleb Cotham and assistant pitching coach Brian Kaplan were both high on Tejon Walker. Um, Is it Tejon or Taiwan? I say Tejon, but I don't know. I could be saying it wrong. We'll, we'll get it right. Um, Walker threw his splitter a career high 27% of the time last year. His previous high was 18% in 2020. And used only his fastball more at 30%. Um, only two pitchers in baseball, Kevin Gosman and Alex Cobb, have ended at bats to splitter more often than Walker, who did it 210 times last year. Opponents hit only 193 off of the splitter. Definitely a pitch that... Um, we'll help Walker uh, next year, and even JT Real Muto um, will obviously be, help that because he is an elite catcher behind the plate, calling games, also throwing people out. Um, interestingly enough, Walker cons- counseled Ryan Howard, Jimmy Rollins, Brad Miller, who we also know as Bamboo Brad, um, a former Seattle Mariner teammate. They all recommended Philly. Um, and they all talked about the clubhouse chemistry. Um, he also said, quote, I don't have to face Schwarber anymore. Uh, what do you think of the signing, Nick? Uh, fourth starter here. I think it's a great signing, yeah, great signing. for anytime, good value as well. Yeah. I think anytime we can bolster the lineup, the starting lineup, we should do so. And I think he'll be a good addition, honestly. He's had some really good runs in uh, some of these recent years, like I think two years ago, he, he was an all-star, if I have that right. Um, and, and it was, was this year he's an all-star. This year he's an all-star? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, to put him behind Ranger Suarez, that could be a pretty nasty one, two, three, four. Yeah. And I don't think our starting pitching outside of the top two or three last year did us any favors, especially in the regular season, obviously. Yeah. Uh, and, of course, obviously, Trey Turner, 11 years, $300 million. Um, you know, obviously, he's attracted here with his wife hailing from Flemington, New York. or Sorry, New Jersey, an hour from Philly. So, a whole home cooking there. Teammates Harper and Schwarber, both from the Nationals a few years ago. Uh, Kevin Long, is former hitting coach in Washington, all reunited in Philadelphia. Um he said, quote, my wife pictured living here and having family come and visit. We pictured playing with Bryson Schwarber and a lot of these guys, those guys in the team now, Kevin Long. It seemed like a lot of those things added up and pointed us in this direction. We were excited about it. Um, not sure if he's going to be lead off or in the two hole. We'll see how they kind of. Uh, he should be lead off. Um, we'll see how that shakes out. Um Phillies did a great job here. I told Turner they were number, he was their number one target. Went after him, gave him a lot of money, big, uh, you know, long-term contract. 
two-time stolen base champ, which I didn't realize. He's a lot of stolen bases. Two-time all-star, extra base hitting machine, top 11 in NL, NL MVP voting three times, world champ with the Nationals in 2019. Um, lifetime on base percentage of 355. Getting a lot of good stuff with this guy. Um, yeah, it's going to be exciting to see uh, him in that, that leadoff or that two-hole. I just hope he can repeat the production. I mean, obviously, that's that's what all Phillies fans are hoping for. Yeah. But he, he's not getting any younger. He's going to be, what, 30 when the season starts? So, and and Jake and I have talked about this. I think we talked about it on a couple shows ago, but uh, Turner's bat discipline isn't – it's actually below average. And and by that I mean he swings at pitches outside of the strike zone more often than the average average MLB player. And hand speed deteriorates with age. So hopefully he can either fix the plate discipline or it, doesn't, it won't affect his at-bats going forward as much as some are, are, are thinking. And, and also – like you said, he's a two-time stolen base champ. This game very much relies on speed, and he's not getting any younger. Obviously, speed drops off with age. So I just hope he can repeat, like, not just decent production. They're paying him money that he needs to be like a Bryce Harper, you know, in contention, in top five NL MVP contention every year. And I hope he can do that. And he'll it'll certainly elevate the Phillies. I mean, now we have, what, two mega stars. Depends if you want to put like Wheeler in there. Um, I, mean, I think you have more than two. I'm talking like mega stars, like Bryce Harper. Harper look at look at Harper and Turner's deals, and then look oh. at everyone else's deal. I mean, I would argue Schwarber's up there. Yeah, I mean, after last year. I know, mean, not money wise and contract, but just right. You know, just, I mean, he just won the NL home run. Yeah. Title. So, and you probably put Wheeler. Wheeler in there. In there. Yeah. He's nice. Yeah. No, for sure. So maybe like three or four mega mega stars now which mm-hmm. is great i mean anytime you can add one we'll probably be eating that contract later on like we've talked about but yeah i mean right now it's worth well. it you know we're certainly i mean they should be in win now mode there's no reason they can't get back i mean there's no re- reason that with the addition of trey turner and now tywin walker they can't be a hundred win team after just having gone to the uh, world series yeah yeah two it's wins exciting. away two wins away from a championship yeah they could easily be a hundred win team, and I mean our division is going to still be tough, but it's going to be loaded. Yeah, but also, I mean we made the playoffs this year, and wouldn't say we uh, played well against the Braves or the Mets in the regular season. Quite the opposite. So. I mean, we held our own against the Braves, Mets. We just Mets we were bad. Mets. Yeah, but. the Mets pummeled us. Still, the, our record against the Braves wasn't great or anything like that. I think we were like eight and ten or eight and eleven or something. Yeah, not great. But they can turn that around going forward. Also, the Braves just lost Swanson. Yeah, so. Seven years, 177 with the Cubs. Yeah. Also, Correa, 13 years, 350 with the Giants. Wow. Big, That's big the contract. They wanted to give to Aaron Judge. Yeah, they, they offered Judge 10 year, 400 million. Close. <laughs> um, Good for the Giants. I mean. The Cubs are weird. That doesn't that doesn't make a yeah, whole lot of sense to me. It's an odd landing spot. Because like you know they're like rebuilding, but now they have a guy like Swanson. So I don't really know what they're trying to do there. And then yeah, Giants are a little more along. They're not 
this, I mean, they just won 107 games two years ago. Yeah, that, that one to me. That makes sense. Okay. It makes sense. Cause yeah. like you're, they, they, you know, they had a, like you said, they had 107 wins two years ago. Then they were five. I think they were exactly 81, 81 this year. Yeah, they're exactly 500 this past year. There's no reason they can't get back up there. Tough, tough thing is, just like the NL East, you have the Padres and Dodgers in your same division, which is tough. But what are you going to do? And we, do we talk about Xander Bogarts? We did last show. Yeah. Um, also, the other uh, big move was Rodon. Six years, 162 with the Yankees. Really solidifies their rotation now. Yeah. Literally, that the team facing that team is, can you beat the Astros in the playoffs? Because, I mean, they've been good how many years now in the regular season and they make the playoffs and then... They lose in the ALCS, yeah. It's tough. Um, Quick note here before we go to break. Uh, First Sunday night baseball game of the year on ESPN will be Rangers-Phillies in Arlington. Interesting matchup. And then uh, we will host... Or no, sorry, we'll play in Atlanta against the Braves May 28th on Sunday night baseball as well. Um... Such an interesting note. I don't think the Grom will be facing us that game. He'll probably go opening day. Still, a tough series. You have to open up with the Grom in Arlington. That's our first series of the year. Yeah. So, good luck. <laughs> yeah. They'll be ready. It'll be an interesting schedule next year because now every team plays every team in baseball. Mm-hmm. So, you're playing every team at least once. So, good for the sport. Yeah, it'll be interesting because, like, it's funny, well, actually, we played like the AL West. Like, we haven't played these teams in like six years or five years or something. Yeah. So, anyway, we'll take a break, come back. NFL talk, including our Eagles, and try to break down some of these just crazy, crazy games. All that on the other side. Sports takes with Jake, 89.1, the roar. This Martin Luther King Day, Villanova is celebrating its 16th annual day of service. The MLK Day of Service's off-campus component began when several black students were inspired to give back to their respective communities in Philadelphia. Over 15 years, it has grown into a service initiative that partners with multiple locations in the greater Philadelphia area. Recently, up to 32 community locations have been served. Beautifying a community hall or church, serving food, or participating in a community activity to commemorate Dr. Martin Luther King's legacy are just a few examples of activities that have taken place at off-campus locations. Working with groups that have similar missions allows volunteers the opportunity to participate in meaningful service while strengthening relationships. For volunteer or group registration for the MLK Day of Service, please email interculturalaffairs at villanova.edu. Forget about your Fridays looking bleak. What about your Wednesdays? Villanova University's award-winning, student-run weekly newspaper, The Villanovan, hits residence halls, dining halls, and academic buildings every Wednesday morning for your reading pleasure. Read up on all things Villanova and beyond, from news to sports to arts and entertainment. Have some feedback? Email your response letters to editor at villanovan.com. And welcome back into Sports Takes with Jake. And, uh, of course, Eagles, a 25-20 win. Not pretty, but they won, or Eagles won here. Um, three rushing touchdowns for Hurts, 164 passing yards after halftime. Um, and this uh, Eagles defense is just ridiculous, especially the defensive line. They had... Uh, 
They have 55 sacks this year, 19 in the last three games. They only remember they only had 29 last year. They already have 55 this year. Um, Crazy. The Bears only threw the ball 22 times. Eagles still had six sacks, making them the 10th team in history with six sacks in three straight games. Reddick has 12. What a great signing in the offseason. Yeah, huge. Hargrave 10, Sweat 9.5, Brandon Graham 8.5. There's never been four guys with 10 sacks on a team ever in history. And that, that might happen, this team. Um, like we were talking about earlier, um, Bears had the 27th ranked run defense. And uh, the Eagles ran 18 plays before any running back, including Miles Sanders, got a carry. Yeah. Shout out Jonathan Gannon. He's really turned that defense around. Like, he's last gonna, year it was not a strength. He's going to be a head coach candidate. Yeah. I mean, whew. He was last year somehow. I mean, so, not only is, is the secondary, which is his specialty, really stepped up. And, I mean, obviously the signing of Bradbury helped with that. But now the D-line is like a weapon. Yeah. It's awesome. Uh, Boston Scott contributed pretty well to a 66-yard return last week on a kick return. This week, a 58-yard return to set up a second rushing TD for Hurts in the second half. Um, so that was nice to have there. Um, of course, A.J. Brown, Devonta Smith in this game. Brown had 181 yards, a career high on nine catches. And uh, Devonta Smith, five catches for 126 yards. Great one-two punch. This is crazy. Two years ago, Eagles receivers were Travis Fulgham, Greg Ward, and Jalen Rager. Now you have A.J. Brown, Devonta Smith, and Dallas Goddard when he's, when he's, hurt, when he's healthy. I mean, Howie made some phenomenal deals this offseason. Oh, yeah. A.J. Brown, like you said, Hassan Reddick. Getting a Joseph and Sue up front oh, on the defensive line. Up front. It's just, it's, it's reminding me a lot of 2018. I mean, part of the reason we were so dominant that year is because Howie made some awesome signings. I remember like Garrett Blunt. Yeah. That was a huge signing. He had a couple others. It's and everything went right that year. It feels like the same sort of situation. Great signings. Everything's going well. Interesting note here in this article. One thought in the Cowboys losing to the Jaguars Sunday. Who cares? It doesn't matter. The Eagles were going to be the number one seed no matter what happened with the Cowboys in Jacksonville. The Cowboys are the Cowboys. They've won three playoff games since 1997. The Eagles have won 14 in that stretch. They haven't been to the NFC Championship game since 1995. The Eagles have been to six. The Cowboys are not a threat to the Eagles. That's what the article says, not me. I'm right. Yeah, I'm sure that's a Philly publication. Yeah, it is. Um, <laughs> no, I, I saw, I mean, it seems like apparently the pick six people don't want to put on Dak, the pick six that sealed the win for the Jags. Yeah. But, I mean, and he, he had a decent game otherwise, but they just don't seem, with him at quarterback, they seem like a good team, not a great team. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, and the defense was so dominant earlier in the year. And now, depending, it's like more game to game. I, I mean, they gave just gave up forty points, right. three hundred yards passing, a hundred yard rusher, a hundred yard receiver against Jacksonville. Yeah, people were saying that game was more about Jacksonville than about Dallas, though. Like, 
People were saying Trevor Lawrence looks He legit. looks really good. Yeah. Doug Pearson's really making him into a good quarterback yeah. now. I saw a stat that, that Trevor Lawrence since November 1st has, like, the highest passer rating. Oh, I'm sure he does. Yeah. So. Throwing some darts. Yeah. No, respect to him. I mean, about time. He Everyone thought he was, you know, the next Peyton Manning. Maybe he will be. Quickly, going through some of the other games here before we're going to make our picks. Sunday Night Football ended up being a great game. Giants 20, Commanders 12. Uh, kind of a controversial ending with the no call on the DPI, which was obviously a DPI. Uh, the play before that, they scored, but we were called for an illegal formation despite apparently the ref telling the receiver on the far side that he was on line of scrimmage, and he wasn't. They called the foul. Um, but... Like I said, I I think a game comes down to more than just one play. You know, it's a you know whole sixty whole sixty minute game. Daniel Jones looked good. Well, I'm kind of hard to believe I'm saying that in prime time, but he looked good. And he did. Saquon Barkley looked really good. Thibodeau, eleven tackles, three TFLs, a sack, and a scoop and score. Yeah. My goodness. Yeah. No, I think that. That game had so many playoff implications. Like, it did. Now you don't see the Commanders getting in over the Giants. Well, no. I mean, well, the Commanders are still in a playoff spot, but now they got to fight with Seattle and Detroit to get in. True. And really fight. Really scrap. I don't know. I think that's Giants really are really helped out. themselves out yeah, exactly. this game. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, moving on. Chargers eke out a win against the Titans 17-14. to that Chargers team, I mean, no one should be afraid of them. I don't think the coach is, is, is a very good No, coach. I don't, Not but they have Justin Herbert. Right. Yeah, but I I mean, could you imagine, like, Eagles versus the Chargers in, in the Super Bowl? I mean. Well, I no, they're, the Chargers aren't going to make it there. Man. Right, they will never make it there. But, like, if you're, sorry, if you're Joe Burrow or Pat Mahomes in the playoffs and you get the Chargers, like, how afraid can you be? I would be. They're, they have Justin Herbert. <laughs> I don't know, man. They look flimsy to me. The defense isn't that strong. The the Titans were down like seven starters, and they still almost beat them with with Ryan Tannehill, who is like a base on one leg. Yeah. No, the Titans. The How about Titans the Titans? Are they are they gonna hold on? Will Jacksonville overtake them possibly? Definitely possibly. They look. I mean, they're four just straight losses. But, dude, I'm telling you, like, the Titans' pass defense is one of the worst in the league, and I know Herbert had a lot of yards, but no passing touchdowns and two picks. I wasn't impressed. Raiders over the Patriots in probably at the ending of a century. I mean, just absolutely crazy. I mean, you, you couldn't repeat that ever. Yeah. No, the Pats are at a low right now. I mean, that defense is so strong, but that's about all they got going for them. They don't have a passing touchdown. I think I saw a stat that they don't have a – they don't have a passing touchdown in the second half this year or something wow. like that, or the fourth quarter. It's ridiculous. Uh, I think in that game, Mac Jones, 13 completions all game. Yikes. Yeah. That is more than just an – Well, I mean, let's I mean, let's just be honest. That's what, that's what you get when you run, have a defensive coordinator running your offense. Yeah, exactly. And that division is so strong. I mean, the yeah. Dolphins almost beat the Bills in Buffalo – Dolphins look like a playoff team, in my opinion. Yeah, they look good. The Jets. Jets. Eh. They're they're on the fringe. But obviously then the Bills, probably going to be, what, one or two seed in the Yeah, yep. It's hard to get into the playoffs when you're 
not playing that well, and your division's loaded. Just a very un-Bill Belichick-like play there. I mean, that last play, I mean, you know, you just think they'd need it or run yeah, it and that, just... That, I don't understand who called the lateral or why. Just so much to lose. Yeah, so like, and it's, the game's it's tied. Yeah, you're not losing. It's not like you're losing. That was, that was a head-scratcher. And, you know, Jacoby Myers throws the ball, tries to throw the ball back to Mac Jones, and Chandler Jones catches it and stiff-arms Jones, Mac Jones into the ground yeah. and scores. Crazy so humiliating for the Patriots. Bengals storm back to beat the Bucks who are up 17 nothing or 17-3 at one point and they just Brady with four turnovers in the second half. I mean, luckily they're in a horrible division. Batman. I mean, yeah, he's good. So slow and flat. To start the game off, this is the Bengals I'm talking about. Yeah. And then wow, did they storm back. He he's got to be one of the what? Top Three, four quarterbacks. Yeah, top five easily. I yeah. think right outside Mahomes and Josh Allen. Yeah, Mahomes, Allen, Hurts, obviously. This year, Hurts, yeah. and yeah, Burrow has to be really I mean, pretty high yeah, up there. I think Jalen Hurts this year has proven that he's one of the top four or five best quarterbacks in the league. But Burrow, Josh Allen, and Mahomes have been doing it for years now. Yeah. So I think. For Hurts, sure. Hurts needs a year or two more to gain that kind of respect and some playoff wins. Um, Broncos take out the chart. Not Chargers. Cardinals 24-15. Not much there. Battle with the backup quarterbacks. Trace McSorley, former Penn Stater, got to play in this game. Yeah, he didn't play well either. But. Well, I mean, I don't know. Hey, at least he got in there. Yeah, I actually want to see Those his stats. disastrous, both of them. Well, I mean, they're... Like, I think both of the coaches are probably going to go on those teams. I mean, the reason why they're... What? I mean, don't you? I mean, four that, and ten each. Is, I would say probably the worst in the league. Yeah, that's pretty bad. The Patriots. Trace score is seven of fifteen, ninety-five yards, two picks. I mean, not you know, great. He doesn't have a lot of experience in regular season games. Yeah, I love Trace, so it's hard to me to say that. Yeah. But I mean, no, I mean, it's tough when you're just a third-string quarterback and you're, you know, yeah, not really playing in the NFL. Chiefs over the Texans in overtime, thirty to twenty-four. Yeah, the Texans last couple weeks don't look like they're one and what one and eleven. And one twelve and one. Oof. Wow. Yeah. I mean, they're they need Bryce Young, and maybe they have some other pieces that they'll keep and and turn things around. I don't know. Mahomes thirty-six of forty-one for three thirty-six, three total touchdowns. That's crazy. He had nineteen completions in a row in that game. That's nuts. Yeah, he's just so good. Um, and Chiefs win their seventh straight AFC West title. Yeah, deservedly so. We talked about Jaguars to pick six. They came back from 17 down to beat the Cowboys in overtime, 40 to 34. Steelers over the Panthers on the road, interestingly. Yeah. 24-16. They're right in it, six and eight. Yeah, finally a decent game from Trubisky, who we we've rightly been critical of. Yeah. Uh, big early game. Lions over the Jets, twenty to seventeen. Yeah. Huge win for the Lions, and right in the thick of the playoff hunt. Six in a row. Six. Yep. I'd seven and seven. Oh, they'd be they'd be a hard out. Yeah, they would. I, I guess I I mean it would be good for the league if they if they made the playoffs. I wouldn't personally want the Eagles facing them ideally, but. Well, we probably we would. Probably. It would be the the Vikings, which I could yeah. see the Lions beating. I know that'd be an awesome game. The Vikings are probably the least scary. What are they? 
11 and 3? Yeah. They're probably the least scary 11 and 3 team. They, uh, team. They're one of those teams where you, know, you, you apply the saying, if you play with fire, you get burned. They're 10 and 0 in one score games, well, but they have is, is arguably one of the worst in the pass league. defense is the worst in the league. It's terrible, man. They like they you're not gonna win. Until like last week. You're not gonna win playoff games yeah, no. with a no, no, bad defense like that. Well, that's what happens uh, when you have a cheerleader on the other side of the field coaching the Colts. <laughs> it's basically what they have. Yeah, I mean. Matt Ryan got super tight in the second half and did nothing. Two of the biggest collapses in NFL history. Yeah. Are yeah, from his led team. <laughs> uh, I actually went to high school locally here. Yeah, he did. Saints uh, over the Falcons, twenty-one eighteen. Both five and nine. Only a game back of the Buccaneers. That AFC South is garbage. They have three, five and. Three, five, and nine teams in the six and eight team. One of those teams will be in the playoffs, folks, this year. One of them. Know, like, and they will host a playoff game. You think it would be Brady, right? Yeah, you'd have to put money on Brady, yeah. Dude, that team, I mean, they can't do anything right now. They had a big lead against the Bengals, got beat bad. Yeah. Uh, Bills beat the Dolphins in cold and snowy Buffalo, 32-29. I mean, even though the Bills won... It like a good loss. gave a good amount of confidence for the Dolphins here. Good I mean, loss for the Dolphins. you know, the cold weather, Tua looked pretty good. Mostert looked really good. Yeah. Josh Allen looked really good, obviously. No, they got weapons. Hill, Waddle. Cheetah? Yeah. Well, you said him already. I yeah. think that Cheetah's the best receiver in the NFL. Wow. And also the most entertaining to watch, for sure. I'd say the second. I don't know about the first, though. Who? Adams above him? Devontae Adams? Adams, Diggs. Hopkins, Diggs. Not Hopkins, not this year. I mean, just no, overall sure. body of work, though. I mean, would you rather? I'd rather have Hopkins over Tyreek Hill. Kill. Really? I just can't think of any. Hopkins can make any catch ever. I'd Hill can beat you with speed, I'll but. I'll take the yards, man. I don't know. I'd take Hopkins. I'd take a bunch of receivers over Tyreek Hill. Really? Oh, yeah. I, Justin I Jefferson? Okay. I think this year the only case for a receiver better than Tyreek Hill is Justin Jefferson and Stephon Diggs and Devon. I mean, that's like five receivers I'd take over him right there. I, I, I would take AJ Brown. I'd take over him. I gave me Tyreek Hill over any of them. Browns beat the Ravens thirteen three. Yeah, I don't know. I don't even know what to say about that game. Could the Ravens have played worse? I mean. Yeah, that was pretty Browns bad. Really people up right now. Yeah, that was a pretty bad game. Uh, For but, neutral, I mean, that's like, why'd you even watch? Yeah, I, I didn't even watch that game at all. Vikings comeback, like I said, from 33 nothing, Largest comeback in history of the NFL. 39-36 in overtime. Again, not going to win playoff games. Not going to win playoff games. They could easily, I could see them being a, a one-and-out one team. Yeah, sure. Niners on Thursday night. Clinched the NFC West. Brock Purdy looking good over the Seahawks 21-13 on the road. Yeah, that defense is so good. It's scary. That's the best defense in the league. It's scary. And they have a they got weapons like Kittle, McCaffrey, Debo Samuel when he comes Debo back. Ayuk. I think just the burning question for the 49ers, like for example, if they face 
maybe the Eagles in the NFC Championship or Cowboys, something like that. They're not facing the Eagles. Um, like, will Brock Purdy win you a big, big game if he yeah. needs to? Big maybe pressure. Never need to, but you'd think he would in a quarterback-driven league. What do you think? Do you think? You think at some point he's not if if they if Super Bowl Brock Purdy has to make some big plays. No, there's no way he's beating us in Philly. Yeah, I no way. He would have to make some huge play. I mean, in that crowd, in that atmosphere against the Eagles defense, no. Just doing what he needs to. He has to make some special plays. Yeah, that's not happening. I don't. I don't know. He hasn't. We we haven't seen that yet. I mean, he just started out. People said he was accurate in college. He was like 68% completion. Yeah, I was. St- I mean, that's not hard to do in the Big 12, though. Yeah. Let's be honest. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, also, like, I mean, they have a good line, but, like, what is their backup option? They don't have one. I guess you could say that about a lot of teams. But, but anyway, going now into week 16 already, Nick. Only three weeks left in the regular season. Uh, we got some picks to make in this week. Uh, still TBD. It's going to come down to Monday Night Football here. Uh, Nick and I both have Green Bay. Zach has a one-game lead on us, but he has the Rams tonight yeah. on the road in the frigid Lambo Field, the frozen tundra. 15 degrees there right now in Lambo. Sure right? Yeah, I just think Rogers is going to have a big game here. I kind of need him to have a big game because I'm trailing Zach Tipton by like twenty some points fantasy right now, but I, I don't know how you can with confidence pick the Rams. No. No. Not that the Packers are much better, but next week we got Jacksonville Jets. There this could be a big game. Thursday night in the Meadowlands. I gotta take Jacksonville. Yeah. I mean, so. they're a hot team right now. I think the Jets are in a free fall. I trust Trevor Lawrence right now more than Zach Wilson. I trust Lawrence and Peterson way more than Wilson and Sala. Yeah. And did you see the end of that game yesterday? He did. He had no clue what he was doing at the end of that game with timeouts. Yeah. I don't he know. had three timeouts and didn't use them until like the basically thirty seconds to go, and the game's like over. I think it'll be a crazy. Close one, though. Oh, it'll be a good game. It'll be a good one. That's a good Thursday game, honestly. Buffalo visiting the Bears. Give me uh, Buffalo. Yeah, I'll be taking Buffalo too. I mean, the Bears usually show something, but, but those are playing for that one seed. They need every win they can get. Saints traveling the dog pound. Give me Cleveland in this one here. Yeah, I think Deshaun Watson's only going to get better as he kind yeah. of reacclimates. Um, Houston traveling the Tennessee. Do I pick the Texans? No, I think the Titans bounce back and win this one. I think so too. It's like literally a must win for the Titans too. Um, yeah, I, I again, I don't know if the Texans have a have a knockout punch in them. Seattle traveling to Kansas City. Give me Kansas City at home yeah, in this me one. Too. I don't, the Seahawks are. They don't look like the same team as a month and a half ago. No. Two months ago. Giants traveling to Minnesota. I'm gonna take the Giants in this one. Riding the riding the uh, the wave here, the NFC East. That's going to be a good one. Is this it's It's in Minnesota. I'm going to take uh I'm going to take Minnesota. They just look so vulnerable I to me. They, they do. I just I don't see two back-to-back good games from Daniel Jones, especially away. Since he's traveling to the Patriots in a pretty big game here for New England. Yeah, no, I'll take the Bengals. I think their run ends here. I'm going to go with New England. 
Yeah, I mean, the Bengals can afford to drop that with the Ravens kind of season. Yeah, I, I just think at home, especially with the way that game ended last week, you think the Patriots got to bounce back here. I mean, and plus they're fighting for a playoff spot. They got to win. Dude, like, who scores for them? I mean, Stevenson did have a really good game uh, yesterday. Yeah. But Mac good. Jones needs to be better. He's it. I don't know if he can carry it off. Detroit traveling to Carolina. I mean, there's no way I'm betting against Detroit. You no, give me the Lions. Detroit Rock City. Um, Atlanta traveling to Baltimore. I think Baltimore picks up a bounce back win yeah, here. I think so too. Um, unfortunately, it's still for for Ravens fans. It's it would still be Huntley. Huntley. Yeah, wow. Not, not Lamar. Washington traveling to San Fran. Uh, this defense is just ridiculous. Give me San Fran. Yeah, me too. I mean, I don't see the Commanders going in there away against no. that defense. Uh, Philly traveling to Dallas. On, oh, these all these games are on Saturday. Wow, I didn't realize all these games are on Saturday. Um, I think that's probably a TBD at this point. Yeah, <laughs> see, it's hard to see. We have to kind of wait a little bit. I gotta remind myself to pick that game. Yeah. Um, well, I guess I think we'll. You can pencil me in for the Eagles. I don't pick against them. Um. But. Yeah, I I probably am gonna pick. If I had to, I'm probably gonna pick Dallas. I just think they always beat us there, and especially without Hurts, I don't think we're really gonna win that game. But you said Philly. Um. Vegas and Pittsburgh in the 50th anniversary of the Immaculate Reception. That's a cool stat. In Pittsburgh, uh, ugh, Vegas looks good, but I don't Vegas's know. Offense looks good. Pittsburgh, though, at home on a night in a night game that they probably have to have. I think both teams have to have. Oh man, with Pickett out though, I don't trust Trubisky at all. Is is Pickett still going to be out? Yeah, he's out on the injury report. He's out. Wow. It's tough one to pick there because I want to pick Pittsburgh, but well, this, at least this is as as of today he's out. That I mean, I don't really see that changing. But what is his? Oh yeah, his concussion. Yeah. I don't know. I'm gonna wait on that one. I'll take. Ooh, I hate picking against the Steelers. What? Oh, wait on it. Wait on it. Wait on it. Wait on it. We got we got a few days. So, Christmas got a triple header. I wow, that's weird. All these games are gonna be on Saturday on Christmas Eve. Um. Christmas Day, you have Green Bay and Miami. In Miami, I think Miami's winning this one. Yeah, it feels like feels like they deserve this one. <laughs> they're they're playing they're playing well, um, especially if the Packers win tonight. Oh yeah, give me give me Tua. Denver goes to L.A. Wow, uh, <laughs> I was gonna go with L.A. because they actually have a. a a decent coach, so give me the Rams. Oh, I'll take the uh, I'll take the Broncos. I like their defense. That's okay. it. Okay. No, yeah. I mean that's a pretty bad game. That's hard to believe. That's the uh, that's like a featured game on right. Christmas that Day. One Ouch. Might actually make sense to wait on two because we haven't even seen how the Rams have played this week. But we'll see. And then Tampa Bay travels to Arizona. I mean Tampa Bay has to have this game. I mean you, they have to win this game. Give me Tampa yeah, Bay. I'll take Tampa Bay too. I I have no faith in the Cardinals right now. No. Like, and then Monday night, the Chargers travel to Indy. Uh, Chargers. Yeah. No, I think in a primetime game, I'd take Herbert over a very crippled and Matt Ryan. Pretty crippled Matt Ryan. Yeah. At this point in his career. 
All right, well, we've reached the end of our show. And that's it for the fall 2022 semester. Much more to come next semester. Yeah, crazy. Last semester, man, on the radio. That's going to be hard to believe. Sixth and final semester on the sh- on the radio. But uh, looking forward to it. Going to have a lot of – got the big March uh, – my favorite show of the year, March Madness show in March. I love that. The day after the tournament. Break down every single game, make our bracket picks. Uh, that'll be coming up, obviously, all the Big East play. We have, uh, obviously, NFL season winding down. We'll be in the playoffs. We come, we'll come. we be in the divisional round when we get back here. Um, and probably the, the first game for the Eagles around the time we get back. Probably, yeah. And, uh, and what else would we have? Baseball spring training and regular season starting up in the early part of the spring semester. But uh, as always, thanks everybody for listening out there. And I know Zach's not here, but you know, thanks to him for being on the show pretty much the whole semester, and for Nick for joining on and being a wonderful contributor here to the show. Appreciate it. Happy to be here. So Merry Christmas, Happy New Year, Happy Hanukkah, Happy Kwanzaa, whatever you're celebrating. Uh, this time of year, happy holidays, Merry Christmas, and we will catch you back here in about a month, month from now. Have a good night, everyone. But keep in touch or keep in tune uh, on Spotify uh, for Sports Takes with Jake podcast. Um, also, on my social media accounts, just Jacob Arts on Facebook, Instagram, or, uh, Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn. I'll be posting podcasts during the break, so. Stay tuned because we still got to keep our picks up. And with the bull picks, uh, quickly before we get off the air here, I don't know who won today. I actually have to look in the Myrtle Beach Bowl. Uh, let's see who won here. Marshall wins 28 14. And I think we all picked Marshall. So, uh, so far, I am 6 and 4. Nick is also 6. Oh, he is yeah six and four, and Zach is five and five. Neck and neck. In bowl picks, so We've got the famous Idaho Potato Bowl tomorrow. Oh, that's also too. Will be uh, college football. We wrapped up by the time we come back. We'll have a national champion. Pretty exciting to talk about those games. And a Rose Bowl champion in Penn State. <laughs> Speaking into existence. Yes. So, guy, everybody have a great Christmas, Happy New Year. We'll catch you back here in a month time. Happy holidays.
Villanova University's WXVU Villanova. Visit our all-new website at WXVU.org. We're on air serving the main line at 89.1 on your FM dial. Or stream us anytime, anywhere on the Radio FX app. If you missed the last morning roar, the crew broadcasted live outside in the elements at Villanova's Oreo on campus. Very special Christmas episode, everybody. So, yeah, how are we feeling this morning? Yeah, it's, I think it's harder to actually wake up this early than be outside <laughs> in the cold. I, I actually, I think I've adjusted to it by now, so I feel good. Nick Tamalo from the President's Office joined us to talk about all of the events happening to celebrate Christmas at Villanova. Merry Christmas, Villanova. It's just a special time on campus as you guys are, are wrapping up the semester and you know, focus on finals. We want to bring a little, you know, joy and spirit. We try to represent that in the different Christmas events that, that we do. And we gave away a pair of tickets to the Philadelphia Cat Expo. Congratulations to Mo Stout. Allison is going to be there, and you can meet her. Allison, you got to meet the fans at the cat. I definitely will. <laughs> just doxed you. <laughs> the Morning Roar is so grateful to everyone who listens and made our fall semester debut a success. This Martin Luther King Day, Villanova is celebrating its 16th annual day of service. The MLK Day of Services off-campus component began when several black students were inspired to give back to their respective communities in Philadelphia. Over 15 years, it has grown into a service initiative that partners with multiple locations in the greater Philadelphia area. Recently, up to 32 community locations have been served. Beautifying a community hall or church, serving food, or participating in a community activity to commemorate Dr. Martin Luther King's legacy are just a few examples of activities that have taken place at off-campus locations. Working with groups that have similar missions allows volunteers the opportunity to participate in meaningful service while strengthening relationships. For volunteer or group registration for the MLK Day of Service, please email interculturalaffairs at villanova.edu. Learn more at She Can STEM. A message brought to you by the Ad Council. Now, here's your three-day weather forecast for the main line. Clear skies tonight. We'll get down to 25 for a low. Sunshine for your Tuesday, high of 40 degrees. And a mix of sun and clouds Wednesday, a high of 43. Celebrating the holidays with continuous Christmas music. You're listening to WXV Yuletide on V891 The Roar.